Welcome to the Dusha podcast, the place where we help your business become more purpose-driven, your values turned from words to real actions of your real employees, and your corporate culture not something nice to have, but something functional and really driving your business results. I'm your host, Artem Mushin-Makedonsky, and tonight we have a special guest for you, Joey Ryman, the founder of Bright House Consulting, a company that is focusing solely on finding and articulating the purpose of business. Joey has written the book Story of Purpose and has helped numerous companies find their purpose and lead by their purpose. Joey, it's a pleasure to have you here and I can't wait to hear your thoughts and your opinions about driving a purposeful business. Welcome aboard. Thank you. It's, a, it's an absolute delight to talk to your audience and to talk with you. Thank you so much. Joey, I would like to go over several questions. Some of them are tricky. Some of them are discussive. So let's just dive right in. Um, you okay. See, in, in Russia, we have uh, the concept of vision, mission, and you know, corporate values. And you are working with purpose. And this whole purpose concept, uh, I've read your book and I know the difference, but I would like you to comment, like, what, what, why is purpose uh, so meaningful? Why is it like number one before the mission? Is it number one before the mission? How do they compare? Yeah, yeah, yes, it is. And it's a great question. And it's, and the question really begs us to understand the differences between a mission, a vision, and a purpose. So right. let me explain those. A mission is what you do every day. It is it is basically the directions of your life uh, lived or uh, every day at, at the workplace. So it's a big what. A vision, as opposed to a what, is a where. So the vision of a company is where that company is going. And usually that falls into two buckets. It's either financial, so I want to be more financially uh, fit, the next year, or it's geographical, which means I want to expand my footprint in the world. So that's a where. However, a purpose as opposed to a what or a where is a why. And <laughs> to understand and to feel why I'm doing what I'm doing is what gets us out of bed in the morning. It is what keeps us feeling safe in the evening. The, the, the author, Mark Twain, had a beautiful quote, one of my favorite quotes. He said, the two most important days of your life is the day that you are born and the day you find out why. And I believe that the second piece of that, the, the day you find out why, is even more important than the day you're born because you don't remember what you were doing on the day you were born. But, but to have a why in your life you can deal with any what, any where, any who, uh, any how, but the why is what gives us not the directions like a mission does, but the direction in our lives at work and at work. Wow, that's, that's really powerful. Thank you so much for clarifying it. And um, Joey, I mean, I mean uh, purpose is something really strong and emotional. I mean, it's like the ground. I feel, I feel a lot of energies there. And uh, just to clarify, can you give me an example? Maybe you have a favorite purpose of some of your, one of your clients who you've been working with in these years. 
Absolutely. Well, let me give you the purpose of one of my heroes first, because I think it's the best written purpose that I've ever heard of. And that hero would be Mahatma Gandhi of India. I, uh, in, a, in another book called Thumbs Up, which I wrote a few years ago, the foreword was written by Arun Gandhi, the grandson of Mahatma Gandhi. And I asked Arun, did your grandfather have a purpose? And he actually shared with me his grandfather's purpose, which he had written down as a youngster. And Mahatma Gandhi's purpose was to wipe every tear from every eye, to wipe every tear from every eye. And the beauty of that purpose is that uh, it, it stayed, it, it, it guided Gandhi, but it's also guiding his children. It guided the country. And it was almost, well, actually, Arun Gandhi told me it was impossible, but that's part of what a purpose does. It's an aspiration so great that it can last a lifetime. You know, a purpose, as opposed to a mission, it doesn't come and go. Purpose comes and stays. As far as corporate purpose that I've worked, uh, that I've worked on, <clears throat> there are uh, the companies that I've worked on, over 250 companies, uh, Graco Baby Products, the purpose was cradle those who cradle them. Um, Google's purpose was do no evil. Uh, the purpose of, of Salvation Army, the, one of the greatest companies in, on the planet, was a one-word purpose, and the purpose was others. So what we find is we find these, these purpose statements that are not necessarily factual, but they are truths. And that's the beauty of a purpose. It is a truth. It is a timeless truth. And missions and visions actually answer timely needs. So let me just make sure I, I, we, we all understand that again. A purpose is a timeless truth, never changes, but our needs change all the time. So if you put together the purpose of a company um, a, 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 with the timely needs of the company or the world, you get uh, at that intersection what Aristotle called vocare. And, and, and while I'm on Aristotle, because it's an important point, uh -huh. when Aristotle taught his students, his curriculum was made up of in two parts. One was, what are your unique talents and gifts as a human being? That was the first part. That was a two-year study program. And then the next year, they would, those students would identify the needs in the world. And Aristotle said something very important for everyone that is listening, so important. He said, at the intersection of one's distinctive gifts, and talents, and the needs of the world, there lies your vocare, which is Latin for calling. And what I did 25 years ago is I started a consultancy based on that notion that we would identify, articulate a company's purpose, and then find the needs in the world that that company could, could serve could, or mitigate the ills of. And, that, and what I changed was the word vocare from calling to purpose. And that was the birth of Bright House. But that now is the basis and foundation for all companies looking for their purpose. Wow. Now that is really something.
I mean, I, I now understand how they uh, coincide and even better. And this example from your book by the grandson of Mahatma is just, is just golden. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Joey, um, here's what I wanted to ask you. Um, I've been researching into the topic of purpose, mission, why, and um, actually I, I wanted to uh, ask you if your uh, purpose concept is somehow related to the why concept by Simon Sinek. I'm not sure if it, if it was like before or after or you're like uh, the parallel. Uh, no. uh, so can you comment on that? My body of, no, my body of work came 11 years before Simon Sinek's TED Talk. So uh, I don't know Simon personally, but I love the work that he's doing. But it's, it is derivative uh, of the work that I did, and that's the way it ought to be. I mean, everybody work should be replaced or augmented uh, or plused or inspired by others. So I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek's. But again, you know, uh, the, the work that I've done uh, was 12 years earlier. Wow. Okay, got it. Got it. So um, I, I like that you are uh, commenting on this in this way of like the man who is uh, looking for more purposeful uh, people and more purposeful companies and is embracing uh, the followers. So that's that's just what oh. I thought you would do. And it's, that's great. Well, that's the, you know, purpose is a generative concept, which is a beautiful notion. And by generative, I mean, it keeps generating outward um, mm. again. Missions and visions change, but to be generative is, is to be a gift that keeps on giving to people. And that's the right. beauty of purpose. And that's why people who study purpose or are proponents of purpose are very user-friendly to the other colleagues, because this is, this, this, this is the work. Uh, it's a Herculean work that needs many, many supporters and many soldiers. Wow. That's, that's really what generosity is like. Thank you so much. Sure. All right. Um, Joey, let's uh, dive into some uh, numbers for a sec, because uh, I've been to your website for quite a number of times. And in your book, you've also mentioned a lot of studies that are made into the field of how purpose is connected to business results. Because I don't know if it's uh, it's in states as much as Russia, but in Russia, where leaders have a strong desire to feel that, well, if I find the purpose, will it bring me money? So what I see on yeah. your website is just, uh, let me just quote something because that's really fascinating. Uh, purpose have, have uh, experienced a brand valuation increase of 175% over the past 12 years. And this, uh, this one more, just, just one more, nine out of 10 employees would take a pay cut to have more purpose in their work. And, uh, and, one, and this, is, this is just gold. For every 10% increase of purposefulness at work, organizations experience 8.1% reduced turnover. I mean, those are really sharp numbers. They are on the point. Can you share some insight, maybe not all of it, but some, how did you measure such uh, ethereal, like uh, some such human traits into those hard, di hard data? Yeah, there's a two by two that I created many years ago called the Camelot Matrix. And it, right. and it, it, puts, it puts companies in four different quadrants. And it basically measures operational excellence um, on the x-axis and on the y-axis, it measures um, soulful excellence, so the sister to operational excellence. And soulful excellence is really about 
the amount of purpose a company has, the operational excellence uh, axes uh, measures performance and efficiency. And what we found was you can't go all the way east or all the way to the right on the x-axis unless you are um, it, unless you are imbuing the company with a more purposeful uh, with, with with more purpose that you actually uh, you don't have the graph right, right in front of you but you actually are stopped midway on the x-axis so in order to optimize a company's profit or EBITDA or margins one needs to employ purpose or it's a dead stop and that was a, a you know when um, I sold my company to the Boston Consulting Group this was one of the first pieces of analysis that they did but let me underscore that with another author and another book who I love the book is called Firms of Endearment by Professor Jag Sheth S-H-E-T-H he's a colleague of mine and he wrote a book about a decade ago that looked at three kinds of companies. One was the S&P 500 company. Um, uh, one was good to great companies made famous by Jim Collins. Um, uh -huh. And the third were purposeful companies that had a genuine purpose and that had activated its purpose. And here are the numbers and they're amazing. The first, what he did was he measured profit over a 10 year period. The S&P 500 companies had a profit of uh, all the indices combined of 133% over 10 years. Good to great companies had a 333% increase over 10 years. But the purposeful companies, and get this, had nearly 1,700%. So this was the, one of the earliest uh, pieces of research and work done, which I adored because it was quantitative analysis to support what a lot of people thought were uh, Joey's fa you know, fascination with the machinations of mystery. And, and all of a sudden, this, this, this fairy tale that I was weaving became factual and became underscored by numbers. And there are many numbers that come in, coming out every day. The latest by Deloitte was that 91% of millennials will switch from one brand to another if they believe the company is, is demonstrating genuine purpose. So this is, so now we're into the world of science and purpose. And then we look at the health. And this is important, especially during this time of this chaos that we're in, in this health crisis. The, there was work done by two or three universities in the United States that showed that people who could articulate their purpose um, had higher antibodies in their blood. Um, and that to me I'm, is not surprising, but it's amazing because what it says is that people who have purpose and who can articulate their purpose and who are demonstrating their purpose and living their purpose actually live longer lives up to 10 years longer. So now this is not just about marketing and business. It's about the health and not just the wealth, but the health of, of, of the world. Wow. I mean, wow. <laughs> Just give me a second yeah. to get over, get my head over this. I mean, uh, people are getting benefits from, pro I, I know it's uh, more like uh, essential to have a purpose in life, but I didn't, I didn't even know that there is, there is a correlation with antibodies. That's, that's just, wow. <laughs> oh yeah. Antibodies. 
So, so, and, and living longer up to 10 years yeah. longer. And there's another wonderful book that I want to cite by, okay. by the psychiatrist, the Viennese psychiatrist, Victor Frankl. And Victor Frankl wrote what I believe is the most important book, one of the most important books ever written. Uh, the book was called Man's Search for, Meaning. Search for Meaning. And I'll just sum it up for you. When he was in a concentration camp, he started uh, doing some very deep listening with, his, with the people around him. And he wrote this brilliant book. Uh, it's probably nearly 100 million copies sold now, where he hypothesized, purported, and then reported, and then proved that the people inside the concentration camps who could articulate their purpose lived, and the ones who had no purpose died. So th this is not apocryphal, or you know, th this is th this is this is our history, and it's something to be learned from not just marketers, but social scientists, psychologists, neuroscientists, um, and the medical community, which is now really embracing this notion of, of purpose as the great antibody, um, as the great, you know, the great, a, 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 a saving grace, a healing grace. Wow. I, I know about Viktor Frankl because, well, I'm a, psych, I psycho, I'm a psychologist by uh, bachelor's degree, and uh, this, this, this is really linked to what, where I'm coming from. And seeing that it's uh, really impacting human lives and the company lives, it's, it's just great to hear it from you and in, in such hard data. Thank you so much for sharing. Sure, absolutely. All right. Um, Joe, here's uh, another question. Um, I, I was discussing it with my uh, colleague that we, we are building together a, a, a website, a, a body of knowledge that I was talking in the email that uh, we are trying to inspire more companies to think about missions or purpose or like wh whatever they, they want to tell them, but the deeper meaning we're coming to our terms right now. And the purpose seems to be the right word, but we don't have such a word in Russian. So nevertheless, um, we are seeing the reality of Russian business where a lot of companies were founded in the 90s by people who were like privatizing the, the, uh, the factories and uh, the resources of uh, uh, USR and now the Russian Federation. And they were just finding the companies to build up more money, to earn money, to earn a profit. So here's my question. Does every business especially those businesses have a purpose. Do you believe in that? And if, if you do, uh, how can we find a purpose uh, in a business whose owner or CEO believes that it was made entirely for money? Okay, great question. Now, the answer is simple. Those people who have created businesses to make money will make money. The question is, how much money are those businesses leaving on the table? And the answer to that is a lot. But because what we found was the companies who are, were started in an effort to make money, actually uh, uh, there was a finite, it was, it was a finite context, meaning they could only make so much money and any incremental monies, which I call incrementalism, would be made but that would be, but there would be no, uh, there would be no monumental kind of uh, revenue. The companies that employed purpose, in addition to making money, so that's money plus meaning, 
equaled revenues far beyond, far unimaginable. Um, so I would say to the companies that are born to make money, God bless you and go ahead and make money. But you are leaving lots of money on the table. And if you want monumental increase, increases versus incremental increases, you need to um, articulate your purpose. Because I have met very few people um, who have started businesses that didn't start a business to be uh, not just another good or another service, uh, but to actually create good and create service. So <clears throat> we're moving from a society, uh, of clearly a Western society, from uh, uh, goods and services to good and service. And that's a big shift. Uh, so again, if you want to make money, great. If you want to make a lot of money, uh, <laughs> you're going to need purpose. And, and by the way, to your point about brush and being uh, the, the word purpose, you know, there are many words that one could use. They could use purpose. They could use what Aristotle originally thought of because he didn't talk about purpose. He talked about having a calling. He believed yeah. that if you had a job, he believed that a job or a career were, were, were too small for human, human spirits. Mm -hmm. So if a job and a calling is too small for my spirit, what's left but a purpose or calling, and then there's essence, there's DNA. Um, Skywalker, Luke Skywalker from Star Wars called it the force. It's, it's that ineffable uh, power that has this magical way of aligning an organization and creating, uh, um, and creating radical advocacy for that organization. And if you think about it, imagine a company that was aligned around one central construct and then advocated it m much greater than any other company. Well, that workforce becomes a life force, and that is the power of purpose. Wow, I'm just, uh, honestly, I'm just writing down some, some of your wordplay, and I was fascinated by it by, when I was reading the book, but now you're giving me this monumental increase instead of incremental increase, and workforce be becomes a life force, and that's just, something that I would love to just type down uh, and uh, just give me a second because it's, it's golden. Yeah, sure. Um, Thank you. <laughs> here's the question while I'm doing it. Um, what if a company was founded uh, by a man who wanted to earn money? Like he was the founder, but the company is developing and new leaders are coming in, new fresh blood is uh, drawing in the, into the company. Do they have a chance to maybe influence somehow uh, upward to build up a purpose? And if they do, how, how can it be possible? Yeah, great. Another great question. So when a company begins, uh, when it gets what I call the instructive spark of fire, you know, what, what is it that's motivating me to build this company? That is called ethos, the beginning, uh, the essence, the seed. Then what happens when other people, as you would mentioned come into the organization especially in leadership positions they create what is called culture because culture is is really the amalgam the the summation of of values and that culture that has created those values uh which is really purpose in action that's the black box of strategy and 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 tactics so just to review we begin with ethos 
other people come to the organization, they create culture because now there's the, the organization is made up of, of shared beliefs. And those behaviors now are codified into what we call values. So ethos, culture, and values, one could imagine be, could be the black box of strategy. That if you know your ethos and if you have a strong culture that is wrapped in values uh, that tell people how to behave, because that's the difference between values and purpose. Uh, purpose basically is a belief. It's a belief. But values are behaviors. So if you have a belief and you support that belief with specific behaviors, initiatives, uh, actions, that is purpose in action. And if you don't do that, then the purpose becomes fairly meaningless. As I've said, purpose without participation is just paper. Oh, that's, that's another great one. Purpose without participation is just paper. That's, that's perfect. Yeah. Okay, so um, if, I, if I get you right, so this moment of uh, creating ethos, the, mem the moment when the company is born, and the, in the moments when people, new people come in, they create a new culture. So uh, for instance, maybe some uh, man who obtained uh, a, a lot of resources, he created a company to multiply his resources without a, without a single purpose. Like his purpose was to earn money, like we discussed. And then people come to his company and um, maybe they don't see the purpose of the company, but they want to work in a purposeful company. So my, my question would be like, um, is, is there a chance for them to stay in this company and create a place where there is a purpose, but if they are not at the top of the food chain? Absolutely. You know, um, I, I, I prefer to use an example in Russian history, but let me use one in American history. Um, and I, uh, forgive me, when the 13 colonies were created uh, that would become the United States of America, all 13 colonies had 13 different flags, 13 different mottos, 13 different leaders, and one could argue 13 different purposes. Um, when they came together in Philadelphia, uh, which was ignited by the work of Benjamin Franklin, those 13 colonies went into a room and came out of that room with one purpose, was, which was we the people. They, they brought down their, they, they subjugated their own flags for a greater flag. They, they actually created one currency and they all were singing uh, from one song sheet. So here we have an example of 13 different uh, organizations, if you will, um, who had 13 different ways of doing things and 13 different ways uh, or 13 ways to explain the future. But they knew that as there was a great speech given by, given by um, one of the leaders who said, if we don't hang together, we will hang separately. And that was a clarion call to get their act together and to come up with one purpose, which now we express as we the people. Didn't, didn't even think that, uh, that this 
Franklin had so, so much influence and so much purpose in his words. This this hang together and hang separately. This is a smart wordplay there, right, right there. Yeah, thank you for sharing. It, That's a beautiful example. Yeah, and that wordplay wasn't mine. That was that was his. And but it says so much. Even today, it it rings true, because if a company is disparate in their in their march forward, then they will never be able to soldier the kind of inspiration, creativity, innovation, genuineness, and fer- fer- and, 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 and become fervent in their cause. Right, right. Thank you. All right, um, um, Joey, let me just uh, ask you some questions on, uh, I, I've read one of the cases on your website and it just fascinated me to really to like really fascinated me i can't even find the word right now but it was the case for mercedes-benz where uh the purpose is, sounds like first move the world well first yeah. of all i love this wordplay that's that's really witty and smart and uh that really shows that they are the first there and first has many meanings and um here are two questions that i would love to answer ask you uh I see clearly that you have a process where you interview the leaders and uh, like you get to know their um, stories, their, uh, why they're fascinated by the company and, and stuff like this. And um, here's the question. Um, I see that like in the book, you had uh, one, one question dedicated to stories, which is uh, tell me your most favorite story about the company. And all the others were, um, more uh, logical questions like uh, why do you value the company? What is special about the company? So uh, here's my question uh, for Mercedes-Benz and like to get the success in this project, uh, like is there any percentage of the use of stories or it doesn't matter and it's like, it depends on the people or like what they want to answer stories or just facts and their uh, ideas about the yeah. company. Well, another great question. Um, stories are the lifeblood of an organization and the lifeblood, frankly, of human beings. Uh, we need stories to survive. We need stories to inspire and lift us up in times of difficulty. Uh, we need stories to be part, to become part of something bigger than we are ourselves. So when we ask our clients, tell us your favorite stories, they're, they are, they are, if they're bedtime stories, they're daytime stories. They're the stories that, that create a company, that create a, a culture, that create the values. And those stories are critically important. There is one question that we ask that's more important than tell us your favorite story. And that question, and it's a very, very profound question, and something that all your listeners should ask themselves about their companies. And that question is, if your company was gone tomorrow, what would the world lose? And it can't be, you know, financial gains. It has to be something much, uh, much, much more humanistic. Uh, and if and once we understand what the world would lose, we can better articulate that story. And I'll give you a, 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 just a quick little story that demonstrates the power of that question. When Akio Morita, who was the founder of Sony, um, had his rice factory leveled after the atomic bombs. And Japan was really, I mean, just shattered. 
his people came to him and said, we, we need to do something. We need to make, we need to impact the world. We need to heal. We need to rebuild. And, and that, and, and Akio Morita said, well, you know, we can't just make rice machines anymore. We need to be a technology company. And he was very inspired by a lot of Western companies. And he hired a bunch of consultants who came back to him with a plan. And the plan and the purpose was to make Sony the number one technology company in Japan. And after two days of thinking and reading this long document, he came back to his his advisors and he said, I love everything that you've done and everything you've said though I have one problem and one solution for that problem. When you told me that Sony will be the number one technology company in Japan, that was not enough. So I'd like to change that sentence to be, to make Japan the number one technology company in the world. And when he said that, the lines grew and people wanted to be part of some greater story, some greater uh, crusade. Uh, some greater action in the world. And to this day, the halo effect of that purpose in the 1940s is still somewhat alive. Um, And as I say in my book, the fruits are in the roots. If you go back to the beginnings, Mm -hmm. you're going to find the answer to the future. Wow. Great. That's that's really a good question. And uh... That's that's based on logic, but I can feel that it's really linked to how people perceive the story of their company unfolding. Thank you so much for clarifying. That's that's great. Sure. And this exercise, by the way, the exercise of purpose is not just logic. It is it is, and I mean this in the, the best of all terms, it is magic. It is the combination of algebra, which is logical, and fire which is magical. And that combination of, uh, or that, yeah, that combination of algebra and fire or logic and magic is what makes the, the, a company uh, really, uh, uh, makes a company optimize itself along the lines of both being purposeful and profitable. Wow. Wow. Great. That gives me an insight into what, uh, how, how Mercedes-Benz did it because they clearly have a long history and uh, they clearly have uh, a lot of events in their uh, modern times, but uh, this, this really sums it up for me. All right. Um, Thank you. Joy, <laughs> um, here's, here's another question. We have, I have actually two left, so uh, we are close to wrapping it up. But uh, here's okay. one. Um, what's the most productive way, in your opinion, to uh, for people to start believing and acting on their purpose after the purpose is written and the films are rolled out and, you know, after your part of the work is done, how can a company engage their people to believe and act on purpose? Another great question. Um, and it goes back to my statement about purpose without participation is just paper. Uh, yeah, yeah the that's leadership exactly under- where I took it from. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. <laughs> Well, if the leadership understands that truth, then they will deploy um, uh, certain actions and certain programs that 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 brings the individual's purpose into the company purpose. Because that's really, you know, if we're going to have 
vibrant companies in the future, we need the talent to support those vibrant companies. But the talent, as you and I both have pointed out, are not just coming for money, they're coming for meaning. So, so a dialogue about meaning and a town halls about meaning and questions about meaning um, become all the more important. You know, the company Whole Foods, their original founder, uh, the CEO, John Mackey, um, when his purpose was identified and articulated, he wrote something called the Declaration of Interdependence. Not the Declaration of Independence, but Interdependence. And what he said was that one of the stakeholders in his company are not just the people, uh, not just the customers, uh, not just his vendors, but the planet itself. And that became the mantra um, uh, 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 that actually equalized the planet with the people. And to this day, and now of course Whole Foods has been bought, but to this day Whole Foods, I think is um, it, it's a supermarket of purpose. And uh, just to give you a funny little story, a couple of weeks ago I was in a grocery store, not Whole Foods, but they're in the pea section where they had peas and carrots. The sign next to the peas said, peas with purpose. And I thought that was very funny. Um, certainly <laughs> the, the yeah. final impact of all this work being done over the last quarter century. Yeah, peas with purposes. <laughs> like the micro level of the work they were doing. That's a great example. That's right. um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's a great document, but, um, can you give me another insight about, about like not the top leader, not the CEO, like, um, or maybe let, let me pose it this way. Um, what's the key thing for a leader to make such a dialogue about the sense, the meaning, uh, like what's the key, the key, uh, influence point with the key idea that a leader needs to hold to do it successfully uh, a contribution to society so one a leader must have a social contract with all their stakeholders and this is a major shift again because under jack welsh uh, god rest his soul and ge it was all about shareholder uh, focus which was ignited by the economist milton friedman in the 1970s who said the sole purpose of a corporation is to make money for their shareholders. Today, we have evolved from a shareholder society or shareholder organization to a stakeholder organization where, stake, where your stakeholders uh, are, are much greater than just the shareholders. And if, if they are to make a, a, an impact, they make it through contribution. And this is an important point I wanna make. Somebody once asked me, well, what are the, what's the alchemy? What's the, you know, what are the two or three biggest things that make up a purpose? And I said, there are only two. There's intention, okay, intention. So I have a great intention. Mm -hmm. And then there's contribution. And what I've found over the last quarter century are companies that may have made, have great intentions and they speak great language and they give great talks, but they've made very little contribution to society. They're, they don't have a social contract with society. Then there are the companies that actually make great contributions. They, 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 they contribute money to countries or to efforts or to NGOs, and they make these contributions, but they're not out of intention, 
but out of compliance. So the bottom line there is if you have a company that has great intention, but no contribution, you are impotent. You're an impotent company. If you have a company that makes contributions, but has no intention, you're a blind company. But if you're a company that has both intention and contribution, you are a purposeful company and your purpose is being felt in actions every single day that improve society, our lot in, and our lot in the world. Wow, that's another great two by two matrix right there with the contribution and intention. That's really clears it up for me. Right. Thank you so much. Okay, um, Joey, one final question for me. And um, here it is. Uh, I know that the US market and the European market is uh, way better developed in terms of values and mission statements and such, you know, human part of the business, I would say. Uh, but here's the deal. I, I want to know an insight from you, like what it is uh, with the US market. What is uh, your current challenge? Like what is your market, market throwing at you because you have a lot of culture with a lot of companies with great culture. What's the most challenging part right now for you? Why is Bright House still needed? Well, great last question, which takes me to the future of business and marketing uh -huh. and film. Um, three years ago, I sold uh, Bright House to the Boston Consulting Group and stayed on as a fellow um, uh, for the BCG. Um, I then opened a new company, uh, which is now just 18 months old, called Brand New World Studios. And what Brand New World Studios does is they make motion pictures, the kind of films you see on Netflix or in theaters, based on a company's purpose. Because my biggest challenge after the 25 years of work that I did was taking what was an internal operation or internal effort and then externalizing it because the communication piece just wasn't working. Advertising was not, um, was, w wasn't good enough anymore. And marketing people, uh, including uh, many of the MBAs that I teach, were being classically trained for a world that didn't exist. So I hypothesized that now companies would become the new executive producers, that the Fortune 500 companies would be the new Hollywood producers that would make films about purpose, not about their company, but about the purpose of their company and, and align that purpose uh, with the film. And we're in two major productions right now um, with two very large companies, one making a documentary about their purpose and another making a feature film based on their purpose, but a thriller, it's thrilling, it's adventurous, it's a love story. And I think this is the future, by the way, uh, as, as the industries of entertainment and marketing collapse into one, into one chrysalis, just like a chrysalis where a caterpillar goes into a cocoon mm -hmm. and then creates imaginary cells, out comes a butterfly. This is the butterfly that's gonna be flying in the near future. Wow, that's, uh, that's really valuable. And uh, I would love to see your works. I mean, uh, can I access some of those films on your website maybe? Can, can you give me some yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you can access them through me. You know, you can write to me and, you're, um, uh -huh. and, and I welcome your, 
listeners to to write to me. Uh, uh, my my email address, which I'm good with receiving, I get lots of emails every day, is uh-huh. is Joey J O E Y at brand b r a n d new world studios dot com. Joey at brand new world studios dot com. Um, and and I'd be happy to share uh, films with you. And a, a lot of them are under wraps because this is a brand new way for a brand new world to communicate. Uh, so, but, but there are some pieces I can share with you. So much. I mean, uh, I would really love to see uh, your work. And uh, I invite all, you, all of you folks to join in and uh, go uh, to uh, the email address that Joey sent and uh, experience it because that uh that's really a, a deep and meaningful work you're doing and i thank you so much for coming here today and sharing your knowledge i feel enriched and i think that our audience is also feeling this the same way thank you so much for your impact thank you it was an honor you're a great interviewer i've really enjoyed this thank uh, you so much it was fabulous thank you all right folks this is it for tonight's episode of dusha podcast We hope you had a great time listening to us and learned a lot about driving a purposeful business and leading a more purposeful life and business. Thank you all for listening and stay safe in these uncertain times. See you in our next episode.